This episode of The Curly Critics is brought to you by our Patreon. You can support us on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash curlycriticspod. We have tiers from $3 up to $15, where you can talk to us on Discord, join our pen pal postcard group, or get our weekly bonus episode, Very Curly Talking. From WBNE. Hi, I'm Carrie. And I'm Jade. And we're the Curly Critics, and today... We're talking about the Half-Blood Prince. We're back, baby! Yeah! Took a little hiatus because these books are long. (laughs) Who knows when we'll finish the seventh book? Any guesses? Let's take some bets now. It won't be this month. Nah, just kidding. It probably will be. Yikes. Unless I don't finish within a specific amount of days, and then it literally will be next month. Next year. Um, (laughs) In case you didn't listen to our little mini episode last week, we're going to start a new segment called Magical Moments, where we just share the little happy things that happened to us during our weeks, and we want to hear from you guys. So send us, email us, tweet us. DM us your magical moments whenever something good happens, and maybe we'll share them on the show. Even just send a GIF. Yeah, or memes. We'll yeah. We'll that too. Yeah. Jade, what is your magical moment? So, uh, this actually happened today, which was kind of neat. So, at church, we both kind of have our own little small groups we get to do. And I've always had this story in my back pocket. You know when you have, like, this amazing, incredible story that happens, but you don't really have a way to just insert it into conversations, so you just kind of have it, and you're like, okay, when can I tell this story? I got- That happens to me all the time, because I don't know how to talk to people. (laughs) Yes, I literally got one of those moments today where, like- This had happened a while ago, but I was just having a really hard week and I was working at a department store at the time and a customer came in and she had this really pretty necklace on that was made out of jade and I kept staring at it. Yeah, I kept staring at it and I was like, oh my gosh, I love your necklace. And she took it off right in front of me and handed it to me. And I was like, this is literally the coolest thing in the entire world. So now I have this jade cross necklace and it just, it made my entire day and I still think about it constantly. (laughs) So I got to tell the kids today like, oh yeah, this is what happened. It was really cool. Like this is how you can have generosity because that's what we were talking about today. Were you wearing it today? Yes, I'm wearing it right now. Nice. Yeah, I was like, you guys, that's what's up. <laughs> Did you have the seventh graders? Yeah. I love them. Um, <laughs> my magical moment is that I spent all day yesterday doing nothing, but I read. I decided that I'm finally going to read all the Narnia books nice. that I've been saying I'm going to read since we watched and reviewed all of those movies. A while ago. And so I read 75% of The Magician's Nephew yesterday because it's a children's book, so it doesn't take that much time. Yeah. But I really just love literature. And 
uh, after attempting to read the screw tape letters, was a little bit upset with C.S. Lewis because he's hard to read. But the screw I tape love- letters are amazing. I don't know I, what you're talking about. They're so I could not get through it. It's really dull. Like it's a very intellectual book, which like I like that. But those books, it just I tried to read it in like two different formats, and I just couldn't read it. Michael's like, it's okay. Like maybe you're just not meant to read it right now. But yeah, that must be it because I definitely read it in middle school and was obsessed with it. It's just like a very intense convert topic. Oh yeah, for sure. Maybe if I read it now, I could get into it. But I'm gonna try his other books first. But I love the way he writes the Narnia books. The Magician Stuff You, while not the main Narnia like book, is a very nice book. And just the way that he narrates it as like a very omnipotent narrator overhead is really great. And I just love books. Yeah. So that's my magical moment. Yeah. Smiley face. Um, Jade, what are your thoughts on this book? <laughs> Jay who finished this book like an hour ago <laughs> yeah send help um this happens every time i finish one of these books i feel like i've gone through war and um, especially now that there's actually war <laughs> yeah it's fine this as with all of these episodes there's gonna be lots of spoilers so if anyone hasn't read it or anything but my comment for right now is um people die and <laughs> that's sad and it's a whole thing <laughs> i'm pretty sure i don't remember because it, it was so long ago but i'm pretty sure this was one of the deaths that was spoiled for me before i started reading oh i had no idea i legit i, know, I kept kept asking you, I was like, do you know what's going to happen at the end of this book? And you were like, no, like, why? And I was like, good, good, good. I totally forgot that you even asked me that and I was not ready. I literally thought for the longest time, and we can talk about this later, but I was in the denial stage of grief for a solid chapter. Because I was like, what if it was someone else taking the polyjuice potion? What if it was this? What if it was this? Like, it could have been anything. Because I thought he was alive for the last book movies. So I was like, this can't be right. What? And then it occurred to me, ah, there is his dead body and Harry isn't cursed anymore. So guess what? He probably dead though. (laughs) That was like when these books started to come out, people... I don't know what year this book came out, but it was, like, right, like, when the internet started to take off, I think. And so people would just, like, finish the book in, like, one night and then be like, by the way, Snape kills Dumbledore. And people were so upset because that's a major spoiler. (laughs) Like, of all the spoilers to happen in these book series, like, that's the biggest one. Is it really? I mean, other things happen, but, like, that's the most shocking thing that happens. Well... The end of book seven is shocking, too. But, like, up until this point, this is the most shocking thing that happens. I was definitely pulling a Harry and having a Harry moment where, like, again, for a solid chapter, I had no idea that that's actually what happened. And then it suddenly occurs to him that, like, oh, Dumbledore's actually dead. And I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. 
that's not good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh no. It wasn't so much like cry sad. It was more just like, again, shocking. Like, oh, didn't know that was going to happen. Was not ready. Yeah, especially when you have the la- this book and the last book emphasizing so much. is like, no, 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 Snape is part of the order. Snape is part of the order. And then he, like, goes and does this. And you're like... I was so mad. Uh, what? I was like, maybe. Just maybe. It's... No. Mm-mm. That ain't it, chief. Rest in peace, Dumbledore. I guess. Jeez. <laughs> like, <laughs> holy moly. For a really long time, well, it still is. This was my favorite book. Like, from my childhood, this is my favorite book. And really? then I read it again, and I was like, like, I still like it, but all the things that I liked about this book are much less important than I thought they were. <laughs> I think Seven's gonna be my favorite, just because I'm so into action and, like, loose ends tying up, and I'm a sucker for a good ending, and so I think automatically it's going to be my favorite. I can just tell. I just have a feeling. Yeah. I think... Man, I like three. But I think seven. I've read seven most recently. Well, was before this. Before we started rereading them all. Like, I read mm-hmm. seven most recently. And so I think I like that one a lot. So much happens in that book. I, yeah. I can imagine. But, like, I, in my brain, the relationship between Harry and Jenny took up so much more space than we're actually in this book. (laughs) Yeah. It, that was weird. That was a whole thing. I don't know. (laughs) Like, I know you've talked about them before. It just never really occurred to me to ship them. It's kind of like Harry was talking about at the very end. Like, oh, we can't do this. Like, I have to do my all all my hero stuff and whatever. And I was like, honestly, yeah, that's kind of the point. Like, you need to get to work, son. You don't need to be doing any of this crap. Yeah. I, like, Harry and Jenny are the only, I'm trying to think about it. The only, besides, so Harry and Jenny and James and Lily are the only Harry Potter ships that I'm like, in all scenarios, those two have to be together. Yeah. And like, I don't really like reading fan fiction where they're not together. It's just like, not like those two are together. But like, I can't even really voice why. I mean, like, I think they balance each other out really well. And they both have trauma related to Voldemort occupying their brains. Yeah. But, like, I just thought that they were more of a much bigger deal than they actually are. Yeah. Like, he doesn't even, until they, like, I thought Harry's, like, mental wrestle about, like, oh, I can't like her, he's Ron's sister, was more of this book than it actually ended up being. Yeah, it wasn't and then when I that actually, much. And then when I actually looked at it, I was like, this came out of nowhere. Honestly. It did. That was the biggest thing that kind of bothered me. I was like, this was kind of just inserted 
for some reason. Like, it wasn't super necessary. Yeah. It has cute James and Lily parallels. Yeah. Of they both ended up, or they both dated redheads. And, like, that's cute. And then, like, fan fiction is really taking that with, like, Harry and Jenny's first kiss is, like, James and Lily's first kiss is the same way. And, like, it's cute. And maybe that's why she did it, is to be a mirror of James and Lily. Yeah. But it just was not built up very well. One of my notes, it says that it's funny to me that the two relationships in this book that get built up the most are Fleur and Bill and Ron and Lavender. And not Harry and Jenny. (laughs) You're not wrong. Like, what on earth? Like, we literally hear more about Bill and Fleur in this book. For a couple that's not even, like, main characters. (laughs) It's such a big deal for, like, two chapters. And then the end, too. Like, they bring it all back. Yeah. And it's gonna be a big deal in book seven, too. Oh my gosh! (laughs) No! That's such a mess. I mean, like, I love Fleur, but it's really funny to me that they're not main characters at all. And they get more time than... Any other canonical ship. Talk about main character energy. <laughs> Gosh. I'm not well, even on TikTok and I have heard that character. so much. Like, I cannot. Uh, also, all the stuff with Tonks in this book is so annoying. Oh, yeah. I'm like, what is happening right now? Are you even real? And then it's just her, like, being lovesick the whole time. And not even grieving over Sirius, which would have been, like, a way more, pardon my humor, serious thing. (laughs) Uh, I just, like, it's just, oh, I'm in love with Lupin. Oh, no. Okay, and there's a war going on. Stop. Yeah, it's just, they have no build-up whatsoever. It comes out of left field. They're not the main characters, so, like, sure. But why include it? It's not even important. Let that be up to fan fiction. Like, for real. It's literally, the fans were like, Remus and Sirius are together. And she was like, nah, I'll kill Sirius and get him to date Tonks. And so she just put it in there with no buildup. Like, if she really wanted it to be a thing, she should have put more stuff in book five. Yeah. Like, little looks and stuff. Yeah. But there was literally nothing. They don't interact at all. Yeah. It's so stupid. They don't have to... Neither of them have to be in a relationship. Yeah. No. It's fine. It's just, the whole time we were just going around minding our own business, and then she's like, you know what this series has been missing? Romance. And so she writes, like, 12 romance stories in one book. Yeah, that don't and make sense half the time. And ten of them are bad. Yeah. I don't... <laughs> I love me some romance and action books or fantasy books or whatever kind of books. But it has to make some kind of sense. Yeah, this is where fanfiction has really helped. Where I've, like, read really good 
fan fictions about like Remus and Tox's relationship and their build up, and it's just there are people who can write it better than her, and they do. Mmm, <laughs> got him. Like I just the fan fiction world is out here really doing the most. <laughs> JKR, who honestly, honestly, yeah. So this book starts with. An incredible way to summarize. Like, just incredible. Did you notice that? Like, the whole time, it just... Fudge is just telling the Prime Minister everything that's happened. How incredible is that recap, though? That's, like, great. And then it gives us, like answers questions about the world building where it's like does the muggles know about this yeah but yeah muggle prime minister knows i was thinking about the snape chapter oh i oh too yeah i love that chapter the like imagery and the way that she builds the like dark scary kind of like heaviness of that chapter is really cool Yeah, if you could assign a color to a chapter, that one would be black. Yes. And she does it so well. And we get so much of, like, she does a really good job at the way that all of the characters interact without speaking. Yes. Snape's interactions and Narcissa and Bellatrix's relationship with each other and all in their, like, expressions. Yeah. It's a really good chapter. And... Nothing, like, nothing else in the book is like that chapter. Yeah. That was kind of my issue with it, though, was, like, it It kind of kept coming up, but there wasn't enough context for it to really make everything else make sense, so it felt kind of randomly put in. Like, oh, here's this scene, but it's not really gonna explain a whole lot what happens later. You're just gonna have to guess. It is explained more in book seven. Okay, Well, then that's fine. It just felt randomly put in there. Like, it was written really well, but it felt random. No, yeah, I get that. It's definitely different, like, having the full context. A lot of stuff gets explained. Like, all the loose ends get tied up in book seven. Of course Any questions you may have, they're in the next book. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Otherwise, it would be a bad book series. Oh my gosh. (laughs) chapter four i kept i said i keep mistaking inferi for inferni rip me dead bodies not the fire nation (laughs) i was like what am i on dude (laughs) you said that and i was like what's the difference big difference (laughs) yeah literally though like two totally different fandoms It's a whole thing. (laughs) You miss one letter and everyone loses it. (laughs) Like, suddenly you got zombies instead of fire. It's a whole thing. I really need to start putting page or chapters in my notes. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Hold up. This is hilarious. I put page numbers, too, just because I think it's really funny. Um... Oh, they go to, um, what's-his-face's house? Slughorn. Slughorn. 
Yeah. And like the piano is all messed up. And I just wrote, not the piano. <laughs> oh my gosh. And then the next note is the piano's okay. So clearly <laughs> I was paying attention. Slughorn is an interesting character. Yeah. It's like, uh, he's definitely a plot device. Yeah, he's not evil. He's not great, but he's there. He's definitely a different perspective on Slytherins that I appreciate. Yeah, yeah. Like, he's not evil. Like, he's not a Death Eater, which, like, all the Slytherins we've seen up to this point are Death Eaters. Yeah. And we have Slughorn, who's just, like, very every-man-for-himself kind of guy. Yeah. very self-protectionist. And also very ambitious and, like, I have all these network connections. But, like, he's only there for the plot. <laughs> yeah. It's he doesn't just, add much to the story besides the actual plot. It makes it nice as, like, a canon Slytherin is, like, okay, this is someone who's not inherently evil and is still on the good side. This is what a Slytherin could be if they didn't suck. Yes. So that's cool. I totally forgot he was Slytherin until the very end of the book when they're like, yeah, he'll be stepping in for Snape. And I'm like, why? That seems random. Because <laughs> <laughs> I just do not pay attention, apparently. It's also like, why give Snape the defense against the Dark Gods position now? Like After all this time. And right. then it's not so it's like- even like a big deal throughout the book like you'd think right. it'd be a bigger deal because you have slughorn who was only existing for the plot so it was like why would you make him a potions professor yeah or if he's just gonna be there for the plot because it doesn't really make much sense for snape to be the defense concern our guards teacher i guess because she was trying to build up the fact that he's a good guy thing just so she could stab us in the back yeah thanks i guess oh my gosh this on 86 um so mr and mrs weasley they're asking each other questions to be able to get into the house right (laughs) and uh (laughs) what is your dearest ambition to find out how airplanes stay up that is one of my favorite lines i can't (laughs) I, Arthur just really, he's amazing. Also, Molly Wobbles. <laughs> oh my gosh. I cannot. These I guys have are too much for me. The note when Molly's like talking about Fleur and they're like, why do you hate her? And she's like, I don't hate her. I think they just hurried into this engagement. And then Ron is like, they've known each other for, for like over a year. Yeah. And then... She's, like, freaking out, and I'm, like, I've literally seen people start dating and get married in, like, six months. <laughs> yeah. Could not be me. And then she's, like, the war is just making people get married faster, and Jenny's, like, yeah, you and dad got married fast. And she's, like, no, 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 your father and I were made for each other. What was the point? Yeah. There's lots of, um, fan and stuff about how Arthur and Molly, like, had, like, 
pregnancy scares at Hogwarts, and that's why they got married so fast. (laughs) That's amazing. I love that for them. The next couple chapters are fine. It's all the, like, Draco stuff. Like, oh, OMG, what's Draco doing? Like, who cares? Literally does not matter. Just kidding. It's Harry cares. the plot of the entire book. He does not let it go for any chapter. He's like, what is Draco up to? What is he doing? I'm like, you are so obsessed right now. You need to calm yeah. down. Harry really hyper-fixated on Draco. And for once in his life, he was actually right. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I know he's going to be right, but he's being so annoying about it. The thing about Draco in this book is that there's a lot of, like, this is, Draco's written in a way that you could redeem him so easily. Mm-hmm. Of, he, like, he became a Death Eater after his dad was arrested at the Ministry of Magic. He was forced into this job to punish him. To, like punish the family and then when he actually has to do the job of killing Dumbledore he can't even do it so you like created this character of, like I'm in a bad situation that I couldn't really help and I don't want to do it so you've like created some humanity in him and yeah. then you do nothing with it yeah the only thing that really happens is Harry feels sorry for him right and it's like a big change from Draco was a huge, annoying, obnoxious bully for the last five books. It was like, now he actually is, like, realizing the weight of everything. Yeah. And this is where, once again, fanfiction does it better. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Uh, Malfoy's a Death Eater makes sense. (laughs) There was a point where I was reading and my last note is, OMG, Draco left Harry on the train. That's not good. And then I couldn't read for a few days. And I was like, (laughs) this is not, this is not okay right now. And then it was fine after two seconds. I was like, okay, well, that was a build up to nothing. I have no idea how Tonks knew he was there. Yeah. No, I have no idea. Like, good for her, but like, what? (laughs) Yeah. Also, how does the perfected totality? How does the curse spell use? I don't know how to pronounce it, and I'm not going to try. How does it work? Like, do you just do it once, and then he's just petrified, like stuck like that forever, or does it? Or is there like a range thing? Like halfway to London, would Harry have like unfrozen, or was he just probably not stuck like that forever? Kind of like how the curse was at the end, where, like, he's stuck like that unless the other person dies. <laughs> or he dies first, like. So, literally, Harry would have been stuck like that until, like, December. Yeah, and then they would have found his body. Wow. Thanks, Tonks. Yeah. I know, that's why I freaked out, because I was like, oh my gosh, no one's going to find him, and there's not going to be a protagonist anymore. (laughs) Harry Potter? No. It is just the Deathly Hallows. There's that meme where, uh, 
I don't remember what book it is. It's one of the earlier ones. Like, the first one or something. Where Neville's like, oh, no, I killed Harry Potter. And then it's, like, Voldemort <laughs> being like, what? How did you do it? And then, but it's Draco actually petrifying Harry, who accidentally kills him. <laughs> That's funny. Um, I have no idea what chapter my notes are from, so... My favorite, okay, I said I had my favorite line. This is my favorite line. There's no need to call me sir, professor. Ah! I literally, like, yelled out loud. Like, that was so funny. I can't. Sassy Harry strikes again. Dude, it was so good. I was like, you're gonna get in so much trouble for that, and I do not care. (laughs) That is awesome. That and the have a biscuit potter scene. Top tier. Oh, yeah. Harry learned all the good things from McGonagall. <laughs> yeah. Her sass last year, or in book five, is matched with, you know, need to call me sir, professor. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, Let's see. Harry's the Quidditch captain, and I feel like he literally does not have the mental energy to handle any kind of responsibility (laughs) no there's no way like there are so many things happening and this is like the only thing that kind of brings him joy and yet it still messes with him and like things still go horribly wrong poor harry (laughs) yeah they're like oh he's the chosen one he can be the captain (laughs) don't care doesn't matter I have to check something. Oh. Keep talking. Um, when they went into the Pensieve and they met Marvolo, Marope, and Morphin, my note is Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. <laughs> um. I love that. I don't know what you want to do with that information, but here we are. I'm going to get that framed. Okay. (laughs) Okay. In Fanon, James is usually the Quidditch captain, too. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. But I don't know if it's canon or not. I couldn't see that it was. He's canonically head boy, though. Yeah, I didn't notice that he was captain at any point, but maybe I just wasn't paying attention. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. Get the, just layer on those Harry James parallels until it's annoying. (laughs) There was so much Voldemort background in this entire book. Like, several chapters just dedicated to him. Yep. At least, I would say like 10 of the 30, but... Maybe that's stretching it. No, it sounds about right. We learned everything about him. Yeah, so that's, there's just a whole thing. At some point, I had taken, like, a too long of a break, and so I kind of lost everything, and then had to go back into all the names and was like, I have no idea who any of these people are, but I guess they're all (laughs) dead now, so it doesn't matter. 
accurate. Like, whatever. I know they're bad people, so it's fine. Um. Yeah, we get introduced to the Horcruxes in this book. Yeah. Which is, like, a significant plot detail that we just never know about until now. But it would have been nice to know. Uh, yeah, like, this whole freaking time. Because, like, the diary is one. And then, like, the ring that is one. Yeah. And then there are others. And that's what the whole seventh book is about. It's yeah. like, we have to find them all. Gotta catch them all! <laughs> That's so great. I'm just thinking of so many memes to make. I need to start a list. <laughs> so, if you guys don't know, my brother is section leader. He plays trombone in marching band in high school. He is the... He's a senior and he's the section leader. And so, when Harry's yelling... At all of the different kids on the team. It reminded me so much of my brother. Like this quote where he's like, That's my final decision. If And if you don't get out of the way for the keepers, I'll hex you. Like, he literally said at one point, he's like, For every piece of trash I find on the bus, we're doing five push-ups. And they ended up having to do 60. Like, he was serious. Yeah, like... Too bad, so sad. Don't be trash. Like. <laughs> I think Harry could have been a really good Quidditch captain if he wasn't having to save the world at the same time. Yeah. No, definitely. I wish he just had a normal childhood instead yeah. of the trauma. <laughs> My favorite quote from this whole book or one of my favorite quotes, is after a, like, first Quidditch match or whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, not the first one. I think it's late, way later in the book. But after Ron is, like, poisoned and he can't go, and so they have to get Cormac mm-hmm. to play, and then Harry, like, gets knocked out, and Madame Pompey's like, you shouldn't overexert yourself for a few hours. And Harry's like, I don't want to stay here overnight. I want to find McLagan and kill him. And then Madame Pomfrey very calmly is like, I'm afraid that would come under the heading of overexertion. Literally? (laughs) Iconic. So good. I was like, please. Oh my gosh. Let's see. A lot of these quotes don't have any, like, No context whatsoever. It's just like, LOL, page 239. And I'm like, (laughs) this is not helpful past me. Thanks for nothing, you idiot. At least you have page numbers on your notes. (laughs) Yeah, like, okay. Um, let's see. Oh my gosh, you guys. So, if any of you have seen the movie Meet the Robinsons... I don't know if you remember this character. His name is Michael Yagubian, but his name, his nickname is Goob in the movie, and he ends up being Bowler Hat Guy. That is literally Tom Riddle. 
like orphan Tom Riddle. He's like evil and bullies all these kids and is like super creepy and everyone hates him. And I'm just like, you guys need to let me know if you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because just like, just look him up. And be like, yes, this is exactly what's happening. Meet the Robinsons. It's so good. Like, I've... it's the best characterization I've ever come up with. <laughs> I've seen this mo- the Meet the Robinsons movie, but I don't think, like, probably multiple times, but I don't think I've ever seen it by choice. Oh, I thought it I, was like, good. I, hated that movie as a kid. Oh. I don't even know why. It has everything that I like. Time travel, science. Yeah. Maybe I have to rewatch it soon. Oh my gosh. When Harry, like, kind of tricked Ron into thinking he had taken the potion, that was genius. I did not even see that coming, where he's like, bro, I didn't even use it. Like, it's not even open. I just, that did not occur to me at any point. I was like, oh my gosh, he gave it to him. I feel like that's illegal. (laughs) I feel like Hermione really got sidelined in this book. Yeah, she really tried her best, though. Like, she was just very annoying. Yeah, there wasn't any, like, moment in this book for her to be the smartest one in the room like there has been in the past. Yeah. So she was just kind of there. Which is unfortunate. Yeah. Rest uh. in peace, Hermione, in book six. <laughs> <laughs> um. Next up, we have Christmas at the Burrow. Um, adorable. Every time. Literally, can I have a snitch sweater? Because that's dope. I just love the, like, family vibe of, like, everybody always comes over. And, like, this idea that, like, even after the war, like, everybody would come over every week and, like, have, like, brunch at the wheat at the burrow. Yeah. It's so good. Okay, but did you also think that the whole thing for Harry being a symbol of hope was absolutely 100% Katniss? <laughs> All books are the same. Yes, but this particular instance, I'm like, that is 100% the entire character of Katniss. Oh yeah, you're right. That's all she's Except- used for. Except in this time, Harry doesn't, like, cave. Yeah, yeah, In Hunger Games, Katniss is like, fine, I'll do it. And then I'll lead a rebellion underneath your nose. Which is also genius. Yeah. Either way is fine. Here, Harry's like, you're stupid, go away. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. I have a question. Does Dumbledore speak parcel tongue? No. Not that I know of. Then how does he literally understand it all the time? Um. Exactly. Dumbledore is the hair of Slytherin. I Flat twist. I've thought about that multiple times. Like, he's just been around and just knows what's going on. He doesn't ask Harry to ever translate. He just knows what's happening. I'm like. Yeah, that whole. 
memory where they were all speaking parcel tone. He's just like, yeah, you can understand them, right? I'm like, I feel like he would want to know what they're saying. He's nosy like that. Yeah. He would literally bring Harry along just for that. This is kind of blowing my mind. Yeah. I know. Unless he's just guessing. He's like, ah, they're probably saying this. Like, no. Especially since as far as we know, the only people who can speak Parseltongue are the heir of Slytherins. Yeah. Which would be Tom Riddle. Yeah. At this point. And, like, the Gaunt family. But Dumbledore's not just gonna walk up to them and ask him and be like, can you tell me what you were saying in this memory? Yeah. And he's not gonna ask Tom Riddle, like, hey, can you translate this for me? Yeah. I don't understand. This is a very significant plot hole. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Really upset about this. <laughs> you should be. Um, page 369. I found the pineapple. <laughs> Yay. That's it. Um, that's fine. Um, I liked that the Marauder's Map was the main character of this entire book. I really appreciate that. Or at least the last half. The last half yeah. of the book. He gets the recognition that it deserves. Exactly. I'm literally obsessed with it. <laughs> My bookmark is just a printed out version of it. <laughs> like The Marauder's Map. Obsession with the Marauder's Map is just a gateway drug into deeper, harder Marauder's fandom. Yeah. We all started there. <laughs> yeah. It's also such a genius piece of magic. Yeah, no, exactly. I told my parents and they were like, oh, that's kind of weird, but all right. Because they don't care. <laughs> it's just this idea that you've managed to like track everybody magically. A little bit of invasion of privacy, but it's fine. And like, I'll put it on a map. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. And like, it was made by a bunch of 15 year olds. That's the most impressive part to me is just like, it was just a bunch of pranksters who came up with it and now it's the most important thing in this war. It's like the Marauders figured out how to be Animagus and like invent this map before, like half, before they even reached the halfway point of their career, their like education. Yeah. Which <laughs> there's um, a lot of stuff on TikTok right now because it's October and October 31st is when things get said about how in like the story it says that James gave Dumbledore the invisibility cloak before like they died and people are like there's no way that James would have just given up his invisibility cloak while in hiding yeah and so it's like he took it or something like that it's like they're not stupid people yeah but also they are 20. They're immature. I don't know. I should write an essay on it. Yeah. Special Patreon content. My analysis of why James Potter would have given Dumbledore the invisibility cloak on October 31st, 1981. Yeah. <laughs> Alright. Um, so at the end, things start to get picked up. And Dumbledore all of a sudden is like, 
yo, come with me on this really dangerous journey to find this locket. Yeah. Because Harry asked really nicely. <laughs> yeah. So they go to this cave and spill some blood and find this, like, magical basin of stuff. Also, shout out to Oliver for always being in every single book for no apparent reason. I literally have a tweet draft about that exact thing that I've just been saving for us to release this episode. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Because I read that and I was like, that's hilarious. Shout out to Oliver for always being in the books, like being mentioned in the books, despite the fact that he's literally not in them. Like, Like, I think he's mentioned in every single one of them. Yeah, this series could have been called Oliver Wood. (laughs) Harry Potter who? Like, I can't. Oliver Wood is the main character. Yeah. Um. Ooh, I like this quote a lot. Have you any idea how much tyrants fear the people they oppress? That's a good quote. Yeah. Dude, I know. There's specific ones that just kind of jump out and you're like, wow, that's actually really deep. I would be so proud of that quote. I'd be like, did you read this? And people would be like, what? No, I did not care about that. That's the kind of quote that you're just like thinking about on the subway and you like write it down and you're like, I'm going to put this in my book somewhere. Oh, yeah. Just writer things. Um. Also... It is the unknown we fear when we look upon death and darkness, nothing more. And no, Draco, it is my mercy and not yours that matters now. Uh, yikes. Yeah. This one- That whole- Oh. Oh, Go ahead. I just thought this one was really cute. How can I have hung around with you for five years and not think girls are clever? <laughs> I was like, oh, Harry. That whole stuff on the astronomy tower with, like, Dumbledore and Draco is, like, a very intense. Yeah. Like, series of events where Dumbledore's like, I know you're not going to do it. And then Snape shows up. Yeah all caps. I was like, bro, that literally cannot be real. Did that just happen? (laughs) Um, I just feel so bad for Harry. Everybody he's ever loved dies. And no one ever believes him. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) It's fine. He's gone through so too much trauma. Okay, so... Snape being the Half-Blood Prince. Thoughts on that? It's... I hate (laughs) that that's the title of this book. Yeah. Because it's not even, like, a big deal. Like, if we found out what the Horcruxes were because of the Half-Blood Prince or any of this other stuff, like, I would be okay with it. But literally... All it does is help Harry do a, get a better school score in potions. Yeah. And, like, doesn't even help him get the memory from Slughorn. Like, I guess it helps him get the luck potion, which helps him get the memory from Slughorn. 
See, I think this is the reason my predictions on this book were wrong. No other reason. Right, not that it was the wrong fandom or anything. No, it was the right fandom. (laughs) Um, This book and the next one, I hate the titles of. And we can talk about it when we get to the next one. But, like, the fact that it's called The Half-Blood Prince doesn't make any sense. Like, it should be called something else. I don't know what I would call it, but... Harry Potter in the Astronomy Tower. Um, Harry Potter and the Pensieve. Um, <laughs> um, I don't know. Listeners, hmm. please tell us better names for this book than Half-Blood Prince. I mean, even, like, Harry Potter and the Unbreakable Vow would have been really cool. Oh, yeah, that would have been really cool. I'm just looking at the chapter names. Harry Potter and the Phoenix Lament. Oh! The chapter titles are so good. She could have just picked one of them. I mean, she did. Picked a different one. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean... Was our editor just like, yeah, it's fine, whatever. And not like, hey, this doesn't make any sense. (laughs) Dumb. I don't even know. I'm so mad. (sighs) My favorite, okay, my real favorite quote of this book is when Fleur at the end is like, don't worry, I'm good looking for the both of us. Yeah, for real though. I was like, girl, please. Love her. I just thought pages 639 and 644 were really good depictions of grief. Like, she does such a good job of- Is that when Harry's smashing all the stuff? No, wait, that was last book. (laughs) yeah no it's like the funeral scenes ah yes yeah it's i don't know like she's done it before where it's just it's so well written and this is more of like an all-encompassing this is everyone grieving at the same time but still kind of in harry's perspective but not really yeah i don't know it was just written so well And I think that's a good emphasis of, like, for the first time since this all started, people realize, like, they're losing. Yeah. Like, the war started, Voldemort came back, and everybody's like, it's fine, we have Dumbledore. There's even that line in the book where Harry's like, I'm not worried, I'm with Dumbledore. Yeah. And then Dumbledore dies, and you're like... Uh, and then Dumbledore what says, what do we do now? I'm not worried, Harry. I'm with you. I can't. That's a very, like, representative, like, handing off of the tor- the baton kind of thing. Because at the beginning of the book, Harry's like, I'm not worried. I'm with Dumbledore. And then at the end, Dumbledore's like, I'm not worried. I'm with Harry. And then Dumbledore's not there anymore. But Harry's still there. And so Harry's, like, carrying on Dumbledore's mission. That just broke my heart a little bit. Which, like, symbolically really cool. Logically doesn't make any sense because Harry is 16. Yeah. It's just... fine. He's got Chosen One vibes. 
it's like one of the things that I didn't think would bother me so much rereading young adult fiction is <laughs> the fact that the kids are young adults, like they're children. Yeah. And like the stuff in Harry Potter is so intense. And like the fact that their ages aren't even talked about. Yeah. While in like the Hunger Games, like the fact that they're children is talked about consistently. Mm-hmm. And that's like the whole premise for the book is that it's messed up that we're doing this to our children. Yeah. I mean... So it bothers me a lot. They mention ages a lot in Percy Jackson, but it's not so much of a theme that, oh, this is messed up. It's just like, this is how it is. Too bad. Yeah, I haven't reread the Percy Jackson books in a lot, but I feel like Percy has gone through a lot less trauma than Harry. Um... Like, he, like, fought a war and stuff, but at least he still has his mom. Yeah. Less people die under Percy's watch. I guess. I don't know. Stay tuned for our analysis of Percy Jackson, where it may just be me being upset because they're 12. (laughs) Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's exactly what's gonna happen. (laughs) Um... My last note is, Harry's all noble, and they said no thanks, lol. <laughs> They're like, nah, we gotta go with you, son. I don't know what you were thinking before, but like... Yeah. There's... Age thing really bothers me. We'll talk about it more next book, when things actually start happening. Yeah. <sighs> And, like, it's a good, like, as a child reading this, you're like, oh, they're just going to go save the world together. But now that I'm 22, I'm like, ah. Yeah. Like, all the adults in this book are useless. That's how most books like this are written, though. Yeah. Now that I'm an adult, it bothers me. Yeah. Anyway, do you have any final thoughts? Um... I enjoyed this book more. Yay! We have to rank it. I forgot that we do that. (laughs) Like, it was still hard to get through, but it kept my attention. I don't know. The first half was kind of rough, but the second half was really easy to get through. I read it in like two days. This one, I like it. I don't know if I would still consider it my favorite, but I like it. Yeah. You need to look at the other rankings. I don't know what score I'm going to give this for once. Ooh, I have a choice to make. Oh, no. <laughs> oh. You are allowed to change any of the previous scores if that would make it better. No. I just have a choice to make. You want to say your score first? Or should I come up with something first? We haven't done that before. You do yours. Okay, my first thought was to give it an 8. That's what I gave the third book. And so now I'm, like, torn. Between, do I think this book is as good as the third book? Or is it better? That was my problem. That was my issue. I was like, I have a decision. (laughs) I think I'm going to give it an 8. Tie with the third book. That's exactly what I landed on. 
I'm giving it a seven, which ties it with the third. All right. I just, overall, I feel like this book was a seven. Like, it was good. It was still kind of hard to get through, but I liked the plot, and it was, it moved a bit faster. Yeah. So that puts book six and three tied for first. Yeah. In the Harry Potter books. Followed by book four, book five, book two, and then book one. Yeah, that tracks. Oops, that's not what I wanted to do. It puts book six as the seventh highest book in our list. After Austin Land. Nice. Only, you have imagined Austin Land are tied, and they're only higher because they're not weighted weird. Because we both read those for the first time together. Yeah. While this one, my score's weighted less because I've read it before. Yeah. So. That's that. We did it. We read a book. (laughs) Finally. Apparently I've forgotten how to read. It happens. Every time you say that, I think about that new girl quote. Which the, one? I'm not sure I ever learned how to read. I just oh. memorized a lot of words. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. I claim to be illiterate a lot. <laughs> I don't know why. Anyway, Jay, do we have social media? <laughs> no. Okay. Anyways. Thanks for listening. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> um, we've got Twitter. Send us memes. We've got Gmail. Um, Facebook. What else? Is that it? We're on the WBNE Discord. Instagram. <laughs> Instagram. Oh, whoops. I don't have that. So I forgot about it. At Curly Critics Pod. All of those are the same, except for the Discord. That's a whole nother thing. Join our Patreon. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have no idea who we're reviewing. Hold on. I forgot to ask. Uh-huh. Oh, my spreadsheet's all messed up. I didn't fix it. I think it's late to the party. We're just going to go late to the party. <laughs> Uh, the WBNE is a proud. Oh my gosh. <laughs> the WBNE. The Curly Critics are a proud member of the WBNE network, which has other amazing podcasts for you to listen to, such as a, another movie review podcast, a musical theater podcast, um, a Lord of the Rings read through podcast, and a real time D&D podcast called Late to the Party. Here's a promo. It sounds like Late to the Party does all of those, which is hilarious to me. (laughs) That's exactly what that sounded like. I'm like, they really do it all. (laughs) This is an urgent message. 
If you or a loved one have been suffering from mild hallucinations, encountering what looked like a, a horde of zombies, lack of fine motor function, there was no parking, and I pulled up on the lawn and broke a sprinkler head. The inability to sit for long periods of time. Did you just break the chair? Jordan is holding a chair arm up. Roll to sit. Oh, did not do so good. Trouble using your tools. Are you going to take another smashy smash? I sure am. 13 probably doesn't hit. Does not hit. Sorry about the dice, Scott. <laughs> or existential crises. And I'm playing Sunny Days, a high elf cleric, a half elf cleric, a quarter elf cleric, a mostly human cleric, a mostly human, but with a smidgen of elf cleric. You may be entitled to podcasts. Ask your doctor about Late to the Party, a Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition actual play podcast for the whole family. Available every other Monday on WBNE.org or wherever podcasts are sold. Thanks for listening. We really need a better way to close out these podcasts. (laughs) (laughs) That's perfect.